What up, Lit and Lucid Podcast fans? Welcome back to the Lit and Lucid Podcast show. We hope you all enjoyed your Labor Day weekend and kind of settling back into the groove of things this week with some podcasts. This week we come at you with episode 23 with David Spitz of Kind Love. Uh, David's going to touch on what helped him break the stigma to get into cannabis and also a little bit about the, the knowledge and science he's learned from Israel and his background uh, with cannabis. So stay tuned for that to learn a little bit and kind of dive more into to what cannabis really is. Uh, a, few, a few housekeeping items for the week that Anchor has added a new feature and allowing you to donate to your favorite podcast. If you love listening to Lit and Lucid podcasts and want to hear it more throughout the week and also in a video form, uh, please do donate and help Lucy and I to uh, extend, extend our practice and, and kind of put it in other medias and other forms. Uh, also, if you're somebody out there that's been listening for a few weeks or a few months now and wants to join the show, please do and send us an email at litlucidpodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you're somebody that's listening that maybe doesn't want to be on the show, but you're still curious about topics and other things surrounding cannabis, the industry, or entrepreneurship, hit us up. Um, we could dive into it, we could research it, and then we could, uh, we could fill you in on, on whatever questions you may have during the episode. So stay tuned, and, and thanks for listening, y'all. Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Lit and Lucid podcast. We're sitting here recording live at Kind Love Colorado in Denver, Colorado, with the CEO, David Spitz. How are you, David? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Good to see you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Neon, thank you for setting this up as well. We appreciate it. Uh, so David is the CEO of Kind Love. They are one of the first dispensaries medically in Colorado starting back in 2010. And then they shifted over to the recreational side in 2015 as well. Uh, David's background is not in cannabis. He specialized in electronic engineering as well as he has a JD in law from Israel. So he kind of is a serial entrepreneur and has ran a bunch of businesses before he fell into the cannabis space back in 2010. And one of David's um, expertise here is on elderly and cannabis. So today we're going to dive into that topic, learn a little bit more about what his perspective is on the elderly consumer, kind of what they're consuming, um, you know, the popularity of that as well. Uh, so we're really excited to have you on the show and are excited Thank to learn you. more. Well, you know, so I'll start with, I'm 61, so I don't know how you define elderly anymore because then you know, I dance three times a week and I snowboard and I jump off airplanes and all of the what quote-unquote elderly people want not only to live longer, but they want quality of life. And that's very, very important when we um, look at uh, what um, cannabis uh, means for those people. I want to start by saying that anything, um, you know, we, a lot of people that are quote unquote elderly sometimes suffer from some issues and anything and everything that I'm going to say here, nothing will be construed as giving you advice or a medical guidance or we're not medical people and we don't want you to rely on any information here. We would like to share our experience with you, but by no way are we giving any medical advice uh, directly or indirectly. So being kind of an active senior, you know, um, quality of life is very important to me. I um, started my business back in Israel in 1979 from nothing. Uh, my parents uh, are, you know, Holocaust survivor. My dad is um, an Auschwitz uh, graduate uh, and um, has no family whatsoever other than us. And um, my mom is 89, and thank God they're living, but they have issues. And I think I just barely recently 
been able to convince them to try cannabis um, and see how that might help them. Having said that, is there's something that is very important to say um, in the context here. Um, people uh, talk about cannabis, but it's a very generic term. There isn't really such thing as cannabis. Cannabis is not cannabis is not cannabis. People only uh, think about cannabis in terms of like being, um, you know, high. And um, and and um, I'm guilty of the same thing. I had the biggest stigma in the world. You know, when I caught my son when he was really um, a senior in high school playing with it a little bit and what I've done to him I'm ashamed to say but um, uh, he did pretty well since then you know uh, undergraduate in uh, psychology uh, went to graduate school uh, to do a PhD in uh, in plant biology is now a chief cultivation officer he didn't do too well but when I uh, saw that he was playing with this I with my stigma and my ignorance thought wow I lost him forever I have a drug addict at home It's important at that point to mention that, um, you know, I I started my business in technology. Um, You know, my background is Israeli Air Force first, and then I, I, uh, my business was in high tech, did two IPOs and about 15 mergers and acquisitions in the technology space. Um, I thought, hey, cannabis, what, what is it? And it's just like, it's nothing. You grow weed, it grows, you know, there's nothing to it. But there's nothing far from it. It's a very complex product. It's a very complex product strategy. And as I said, cannabis is not cannabis, not cannabis. Cannabis takes many forms. Many, um, a, a, it, cannabis takes many forms and many uh, ways of use, and, and each one of them has a very particular um, a advantage and disadvantage. A, one of the things that elderly people really uh, frown upon, and I do too, is combustion. A, you know, people uh, that are, don't understand cannabis think that the way to use cannabis is to smoke it in a joint. It doesn't smell good. It has a stigma. You don't want to be seen to do that. And frankly, personally, I'm against combustion. And not only because, you know, I don't want to uh, smoke the chlorophyll and some other mm-hmm. uh, green matter that is in the plant, but also because... You know, I learned later that every cannabinoid and every uh, terpene in the plant, and which I'm going to touch in a minute, uh, evaporate at different at different temperatures, and therefore, if e- either if you want to get the real flavor and the real experience uh, on one hand, or if you want to really um, uh, make use of certain cannabinoids, you really want to be accurate in the way you consume it. So, um, you know, uh, that was one of the obstacles in getting my parents to use it, although they had some ailments uh, that, they, that they couldn't uh, figure out with any other traditional medicine. So with that said, you know, I think it's very important uh, uh, to mention that once I got into cannabis, I, was, I really wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. My wife said, hey, I'm not sure I want to be um, uh, married to uh, to a drug dealer. My kids <laughs> called me Pablo, and um, uh, and uh, I wasn't sure that I wanted that stigma. I wasn't sure that I wanted um, to be associated with it. Um, it took me uh, some time to spend in a in a medical dispensary here at Kind Love to see the clientele that came here. They were ordinary people. They were not on the fringe of society. They're real people with real problems. And I could not help but notice how many people do we help. Anything from kids with seizures that have never gone to school before they uh, consume cannabis to very old people that um, wanted to improve the quality of life. 
Now, when we say, uh, when people are talking about medical marijuana, you know, in today's age, it's not enough for us to just be healthy in the medical sense of things, for our body to function. We want to have quality of life. We want to be happy. We want to, I mean, uh, uh, depression is a big problem in society. Um, for elderly people, people especially. So, you know, it's, I believe there are 27 million um, prescriptions that are written every year for um, a uh, Ritalin, which I believe is very close to... Um, yeah, to cocaine yeah. uh, and Adderall which is very close to methamphetamines there's 80 plus million uh, prescriptions written for in the use of opioids for pain and that's a really dangerous drug there is um, you know about 40 million uh, a prescriptions written for um, Ambien for sleep and that's actually uh, believe it or not the first use that I uh, had with cannabis had to do with the fact that I would wake up every night at 2.30 a.m. and with a racy train of thought and I couldn't go to sleep and I eventually I gave up and I took a little bit of Ambien and that's definitely addictive. If your day is shut the next day, it's really not a good thing for you in my mind and through can the use of cannabis I was able to completely eradicate the use of, um, of um, Ambien from me. Uh, there is tens of millions of SSRI prescriptions that are written every year in the United States and um, and those are not always effective and they have side effects as well. Uh, we see cannabis working in all those areas. So, hey, uh, when I speak with the elderly people and all of us have, you know, parents, grandparents, um, and we don't know how to approach it with them. They still have the stigma. They don't, when we come to them, say, no, we're not going to do it. We don't want to, we're not going to do it. So how do we approach it? So, you know, when I speak with um, people in, uh, in assisted living houses and places like that, and I ask the people, you know, you know, how many of you have used cannabis? And I seldom get somebody to raise their hands. Mm -hmm. But when... It, when they say that, I say, you're a bunch of liars. <laughs> you all use cannabinoids. All of us use cannabinoids. To all the people that listen to this podcast, guys, every single one of you is using cannabinoids every day of your life. So, and, you know, endocannabinoid system is one of the biggest systems in our body. You know, uh, our body generates its own cannabinoids, um, known as endocannabinoids. Um, you know, we have uh, a... In, you know, the three prevalent ones are anandamide, 2-AG, and PEA, and it's very clear how those play a very important role in our health, uh, anything from our immune system to uh, to other functions, you know, anything to our a psyche and our, our mood, etc. So we do use our own cannabinoids, but in today's world, you know, our receptors in our body sometimes don't function very well and they don't they adhere or connect to the cannabinoids, those endocannabinoids very well. And that's where, um, you know, uh, using cannabinoids um, from cannabis can help you. So, you know, again, there's no myth. Um, I had long discussions with my friend, Professor Mishulam, who is uh, the godfather of cannabis. He found the active ingredients in cannabis, the THC and CBD, he found the THC back in 1963. Uh, it got synthesized right away because uh, THC is tetrahydro, it's delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinoid. And um, basically, it's a molecule, and it synthesized it, synthesized it into a um, product called Marinol. And in, 
it didn't work and he didn't know why he started looking again in 1984 he found what he called the entourage effect basically that says hey you know it's basically the cannabis is like the key in the ignition the THC is like the key in the ignition however there are other constituencies that play a role and those constituencies actually um, only work once you have the key in the ignition so THC would be like putting the key in the ignition whether you're going to drive a Ferrari or truck really depends uh, on other uh, compounds that are in the plant well uh, a I would say that um, uh, Israel is the leading uh, country still in um, the research of cannabis. It's because the government really s supports and uh, pays and and uh, really promotes uh, research. Is because uh, all the growers um, have to provide samples of all their strains to um, the researchers to actually research. Uh, the lead um, a researcher in cannabis in the world, I believe right now, is Professor Daddy Meiri from the Technion in uh, Hi-Fi in Israel. Just met him and spent a couple of days with him in uh, Toronto last week. And it's fascinating the things that he found, you know. A lot of uh, myths and be beliefs that we had are no longer true. Uh, everybody used to, th to think about cannabis just in terms of like THC and CBD. Well, these are two very important cannabinoids, but right now, there are, out of the 1,500 known compounds in the plant, you know, a, there's about 140 known cannabinoids and about 300 knowns, known terpenes, and they all play a role. And when people talk about THC, you know, THC is less meaningful. You know, when people are looking for potency and stuff, they're, you know, they're, when you go to and drink some wine, you don't really say, I'm going to drink some wine and let me see how many percents of... Um, of alcohol I have in it, it's really not that important. If you want to have a little bit more high, just take another puff. Mm -hmm. But uh, THC is the same molecule in every strain of cannabis, whether it's indica, sativa, or otherwise. How come you get a different high? It's not the THC. And people are starting to realize that there are other things there. I mean, we start seeing products that use cannabinoids like CBC and CBG and THCV, which is really good for diet, and um, and um, and uh, CBN, which is very really good for sleep and some other disorders and suddenly it's not a, uh, a flat world and suddenly it becomes much more uh, complicated and a, on one end it's a good thing that we find it out we also found out that people thought that um, our body had two receptors and uh, this CB1 which is in our brain which is was considered to be the psychoactive uh, component and CB2, which is in all our immune system and throughout our body, which people thought connects to the CBD, which was actually wrongly again thought to be non-psychoactive. So, but now they know that there are 32 receptors in our body, not two. And so, yeah, it's exciting that we find all this thing. However, it's going to take years upon years upon years upon years and trillions of experiments for people like Daddy Meiri uh, to find out a, the two or three cannabinoids that do something very specific. However, the market in terms of like how people view healthcare and how people view their health in general is changing. And people, you know, uh, rely more on referrals. They rely more on what they hear and say. Um, you know, health is all everywhere on the range between pharmaceuticals to nutraceuticals to food supplements to wellness products and there is a whole thing about you know body mind uh, connection when i just met recently with professor barekat she's a 
one of the lead uh, cannabis um, a, involved um, a, a pain uh, doctor. She's been a pain doctor for many years. She said, David, you know, there's it, pain is not is not objective. It cannot be measured. It's not measurable. But we know that people that suffer from pain, which is really one of the things that people use cannabis for the most. Um, when people suffer from pain, they tend to isolate themselves. They don't eat well. They don't sleep well. Overall, the wellness is not good. So I don't really care if uh, cannabis really uh, alleviates the pain. But if it takes care of all the other things, you know, their perception their perception of pain improves and therefore it helps them cope with the pain and since pain is subjective they subjectively think that there is less pain that coupled with the fact that there's a lot of placebo effect people believe that it works and it works so all that together when you're talking about how can we convince our parent how can we convince our grandparent to use this you know you can point to the research, so it's not just a, a, a mystery anymore. But you can point to the fact that when they, you know, that they may be using turmeric, they may be using, uh, you know, gaba gaba, they may be using some other things. You go, just have to go take them, to, take them to for a trip in the in Whole Foods and show them the wellness section and how many supplements are out there, you know, like maca and some other stuff that you know that people take, including myself. And how do you select a product? How do you know what it is? I take turmeric every day. I, do you think that I read all the, uh, the um, articles about it? No. Did my doctor tell me to take it? No. But do I know it's good for me? Yes. And that's exactly the same thing. A lot of your parents, grandparents may be using turmeric. They may be using uh, like uh, curcumin. They may be using some other supplements like fish oil, like uh, omega-3s. Those are all not prescribed by doctors, but it's very known that they help you in one way or another. So, don't be afraid. Experiment. Or do you prefer to suffer? Right. That's the question. Right. Absolutely. So, what do you think, um, you know, the elderly community's perception is in response to cannabis? Is it positive? Are they interested? There's a lot of curiosity, but there's still a hesitance uh, to... A, go out to a dispensary because right. here in Colorado they need to go to a dispensary where they associate that with drugs mm -hmm. um, you know in Canada I just came back from Canada there's home delivery in Israel it, there's home delivery so basically I think that had that been the case I think many more people would have experimented with it but the stigma of hey I'm gonna be seen going into a into a dispensary is still I think holding a lot of people off and it's really also the fact that you know uh, that you know they don't they need to get there it, it, I see a lot of people come here and shop in the recreational side because on medical you need to have a medical card you need to show up personally but I see a lot of uh, of people that shop for their parents and I don't think that's the right way to go about it they should be able to actually procure it without the stigma either get rid of the stigma or to allow them to procure it without being seen to be doing this what are some of the main things that uh, seniors will ask you when kind of contemplating cannabis use or using for the first time? The first thing that they ask is they all come up, well, what can I do for this? What can I do for pain? What can I do for Alzheimer's? What can I do for Parkinson's? Oh, my, my, you know, I have uh, arthritis. I have this or that. And, uh, and there, so the first thing is there's a lot of ignorance. By the way, there's a lot of ignorance. Period. I mean, most people don't understand cannabis, don't understand how to use cannabis, they don't understand the different alternative delivery methods of cannabis. I, they don't understand where cannabis, um, actually what cannabis breaks out to. They don't understand any of that. They're just people that use cannabis because it's 
it makes them feel good uh, which is there's nothing wrong with that you know it's like there's nothing wrong with that but you know if you ask people uh, about red wine they're gonna tell you hey w- we heard it's good for you a little bit of alcohol is good for you if I ask them okay what do you know about the French paradox which is really you know how you know uh, a wine or red wine more specifically is helpful for you then they don't know and they don't really understand why it's good for you but it's just heard that it's good for you um, so uh, most of the cases people are extremely curious but don't forget that the people that I get to speak with are coming there because they're curious it's very hard for me to get to the people that don't even going they don't even want to be listening to this so that's where we are aiming and we're doing a lot to actually attract those people and get to them as fast as possible there's also a big problem in the way that um, the uh, I think I mean the fact that it's not federalized presents a lot of challenges um, one of them is the fact that doctors are not allowed to prescribe it not only are the doctors ignorant about it they're totally ignorant about how to use it because they don't practice it but not only are they ignorant as opposed to Israel by the way again but also they're not allowed to prescribe so uh, when people come and they only get a red card then they eventually need to come and talk with a 24 year old which is another issue a 24 year old kid they're sitting here that's probably dabbing and um, using some heavy stuff and they need to talk with that person and say you know what do I do about my prostate cancer or what do I do about my uh, sleep issues and they're not really very trusting of the opinion of that person uh, what we do many times is since we're not allowed and we will not under no circumstances make any recommendations any medical recommendations we sometimes refer people to the Israeli Ministry of Health that they have actually published what they call the, the uh, Green Book which is basically a directive to doctors that do prescribe you do get your cannabis the government actually pays for your cannabis as a medicine and you get it in a, in a pharmacy and you go to a pharmacy and like any other narcotics you just have, present a prescription and you get your prescription now the in in Israel for every uh, allowed in indication that is allowed to pres- be prescribed cannabis for um, you go to you go to the um, pharmacy and, or and they're going to give you exa- the doctor is going to prescribe exactly what is in that green book Sometimes we refer people to that. It's not our it's not our advice. We don't tell them that this is true or not, and we will not. But we but that's a good beginning to understand because that has been researched. It is being researched. Every every grower in Israel has to submit a sample not only for testing for for potency like here. God, you know I don't know why, but also for um, a, it's it's being presented to the scientists to actually track how that affects their illness, and they do find some amazing stuff. Which you know I think that that podcast is a little short to go over all those things that have been found. But um, but when I talk with people like when I do get the opportunity to talk to elderly people like that, they do get it. Suddenly they realize, hey, I can I don't have to smoke it. I can eat it. Oh, I don't have to eat it. I can use a suppository. Mm-hmm. I can use a topical. And not even aware of the fact that all those delivery methods exist. But even if we make them aware, they don't understand where is the efficacy, what is the best way method to use, how much degradation is happens in your, you know, how much of the of the product gets degraded in your stomach. So that leads to all kinds of, you know, sometimes funny, sometimes less uh, 
in a situation where people eat something, they don't understand uh, that it actually breaks down to a completely different molecule instead of delta 9 THC, it's now delta A THC plus OE, and it's a completely different molecule, and it works completely different. Nobody knows where does it get absorbed. Is, does it get absorbed in the stomach? Does it get absorbed in the small intestines? And where? Mm -hmm. And how do we affect it? What, how, what is that gonna do to me? But we do see people come and absolutely irrevocably say to us, you know, I have, I had uh, Crohn's, I have colitis. Those are things that are, you know, many times, um, uh, you know, cannabis seems to have very good effect. And it said, it helped me, it saved my life. You know, so it is, you know, it's a little frustrating. I was co-chairing a conference with Professor Mishulam and uh, an international conference for uh, doctors, yes? And Professor Machulan was talking about basically the fact that he, as far as he's concerned, you know, it's all molecules and he doesn't care if it comes from a plant or not. There are actually only very few, I believe about four or five botanical medicines that have ever been approved by the FDA and the FDA does not like them. And he said, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if they synthesize them and make them into a product, which is, I think, where it's going to go eventually on the pharmaceutical side. But uh, on the other hand, you know, you see researchers show you, you know, five dots on a graph and say this indicates that this is helpful for this problem because I dropped a couple of drops of cannabinoid to a tissue culture in a pituitary dish. And, um, and when I told him, look, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, the situation is that people come to our store, and I don't want this to be taken wrongly, are basically and I say I have this problem and what do you recommend we can't make a recommendation but eventually they buy something mm -hmm. when they buy something they try it and there and yes we don't do double blind uh, testing but in, uh, there is actually a 50,000 blind testing that is occurring by the fact that somebody in South Africa and somebody in Australia and somebody in Europe and somebody here all report the same thing and I have 50,000 points on the graph. And so what do you have, uh, Mr. Researcher? You have five dots on the graph. And what is it? It's statistical cl clinical observation. And what do we have? We, with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people come here, you know, we see thousands upon thousands of, of patients here, or clients, the way I refer to them better. The regular refers to them as patients, so I think I'm allowed to. Otherwise, I don't even want to say that. <laughs> so we see uh, tens of, and hundreds of thousands of people a year that come here. They report their findings, quote-unquote, on my lab, which is basically my social media. It's I have 50,000 points. What is it? It is the same kind of clinical statistical clinical observation. But you don't want to give my statistical observation any credibility at all. This is wrong. Yeah. I think that kind of points to the general change in the way medicine's um, medicine's kind of done in the U.S. Um, and this is going to be kind of a multifaceted question for you. But at the conference this last year at the uh, Colorado State University Pueblo, they now have an Institute of Cannabis Research. They have a uh, a lecture that's dedicated to Rafael Mishulam. And this last year, uh, or this this past year in April, uh, the gentleman giving the lecture pointed on um, how traditional pharmaceutical the industry is based on a single target effect with drugs um, and how cannabis is now changing that by proving through the entourage effect that medicines have a much more pronounced effect if they're used in a multi-targeted manner. Do you think that's going to kind of change the way medicine's done or do you see cannabis following the same path that pharmaceutical has in, 
in the future, and it's going to go to a single targeted drug in the future. You're going to see both. And again, we, it goes back to the beginning where I said, actually, what is healthcare? It goes all the way from pharmaceuticals to wellness. And basically, as I said, my turmeric is not addressing one thing. You know, turmeric is, is the only thing that actually regenerates brain cells, mm -hmm. right? It's also an anti-inflammatory. It's, anti, it's, it's anti-inflammatory. It's antioxidant. People are consuming this kind of, of products with a very wide effect. They're not... I'm, I'm, thank God, healthy. I'm consuming those, not because I'm, I'm sick. It's because I want to have, I, I don't want to become sick. So a lot of it is preventative. A lot of it is not dedicated. Yeah, you're going to see the companies that are going to be more like, uh, the, you know, I just met with uh, friends of mine from Israel that um, have are going in that direction. They're a pharmaceutical company called Panaxia, and basically they're going to go public in, in Toronto Stock Exchange uh, soon. And they are... the they're calling their product a, a pharmaceutical cannabis because they're actually going after, you know, trying to find, like other people, become the molecule hunters to find that one molecule, three molecules, or three cannabinoids that together form some effect and go with that and market it to a very direct uh, audience and go through doctors eventually. But you're going to see a lot of people like us, they're going to say, you know, you're not gonna get well if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be happy. You know, it's like you know if you are depressed, you know you're gonna have you know the body mind um, connection exists. It's known. Okay, so why don't you try? You know, why don't you try this and see? You know, even doctors, you know, first thing in their when they are sworn is do no harm, right? We don't think that do, does any harm, and and I'm a big uh, proponent of microdosing. So I think that people should microdose. They should really try a little bit, small quantities, and see. It's also not as I said at the beginning. It's not clear which cannabinoids work where and when. And we just uh, just uh, as I said, Professor Mayer just concluded a a uh, very interesting study on autism and he found out that actually the two cannabinoids THC and CBD did not play any role in it. No no entourage, no nothing. Don't forget, Professor Mushulan came up with the, entour with the entourage and I had long, long conversation with him. He's a good friend and, you know, and I partnered with him on some issues. You know, so it, it, Professor Mushulan, you know, it, uh, found the entourage effect basically back in 1984. It's way, way, um, cannabis in, is not even similar to what it was then. So it's, um, it's the relevance of that is there. You know, I think that, um, you know, we see in our empirical, you know, approach to things, we see that, you know, people that go buy CBD in the market are not as, um, it, uh, they don't see the same results as people that are actually uh, buying CBD with some THC. Yeah, we see that very clearly. Uh, there's another thing that um, you know you need to think about when you are thinking to convince your parents, and I think you told me that you know maybe you know some people that have you know finally agreed and <laughs> to use some uh, CBD. Same with my parents, and you go and you buy basically CBD in the market. That we just. Um, uh, um, ran some tests, you know, on CBD products, and uh, and we found out that CBD products, because CBD is not, CBD from hemp is not, is not regulated like cannabis, so therefore it's not tested, and we found out that half out of 18 products, half did not have 
had zero CBD in them. Zero CBD, zero. And all the rest had, you know, unknown quantities. Now, when you talk about CBD again, you know, what are you talking about? So you can have CBD, uh, you know, you can have CBD which is distillate. You know, basically it's distilled to the CBD molecule, mm -hmm. right? And some people use that, but some people use the, what they call a whole plant extract. You know, some people think whole plant extract equal to, you know, I'm just going to extract like oil, like cold press, whatever. That's, gentlemen and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is not extraction. This is not a form of extraction. So how you extract it, what you extract from it, you know, is really, really different. So that's why... You know, us here, if you come to a dispensary and if you overcome the sigma and you do come to us, eventually what you get is basically something which is much more regulated, much more tested. We send every test to be, every batch to be tested. And therefore, the chances are you're going to get something which is better for you. Uh, whereas when you buy it, in a, you know, you buy coffee and you say, oh, should I add some CBD to it? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, even limit to, there are even limits to, I, look, I, I believe that CBD eventually will come only from hemp. I don't think that uh, CBD was associated with cannabis because that was the way you could get it in oh. the past. But I don't think in the future uh, CBD will come ever from, from cannabis. It's going to come from hemp. There will be specific strains that, and again, Professor Mayuri found it irrevocably without even a shadow of a doubt. This is really science. That you know, some strains, some strains work. Sometimes strains don't. You know, he just uh, showed me his research uh, on um, a, a strain that kills um, breast cancer for women with BRCA1, BRCA1 deficiency. So he, he, um, there's one strain that kills it completely, but. You take another strain with the same THC and CBD ratios, nothing. You take another strain, nothing. Well, you know, it's that specific strain. And I think that eventually it's not going to go to CBD or THC. It's going to be strain specific. And, you know, you're going to find out strains that do specific things because of the 1,500 compounds in it. And that's what's going to eventually be how people are going to consume it. And also cannabis works differently for different people. So long story short, get rid of the stigma, try it. Yeah. You're trying worst thing in real life. Yeah, at the end of the day, there's, you know, the only way to actually figure out what works for you is literally to try it. Products, strains, types, all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, but you, you know, today you have much more availability of data. You can actually go online. You can see what other people are saying, and you can uh, you can go by. There is no magic here. Cannabis and CBD, it's not. It is not a magical drug. It is not. It's just that endocannabinoids are in so many things in your life. It, you know, endocannabinoids, uh, cannabinoids work in everything from your um, from your brain to your immune system. It's a very strong antioxidant. It's a very strong, um, you know, anti-inflammatory. It's a, it's a very strong uh, analgesic, uh, and um, and whether it works for you and whether it needs something else to enter it or. You know, it's it's known today that um, you know that there are more than one site in every receptor, and that uh, you know CB1 receptor, for example, which is made out of 472 amino acids, wrapped seven times in a loop around the synapse, you know, in your in your nervous system. That, for example, it's known that it has a, an orthocyte where the C THC connects, but it also an has an allocyte. It's where you know the CBD connects and actually modulates the the uh, the cascade of messaging goes in your in your synapse. What does that do? 
um, what people know, oh, wow, this is now, oh, now we understand why it works for seizures, you know, for, with kids, you know, because seizures are like, like a lightning, right? So, so, and I'm just quoting other scientists again, I do not provide any kind of like uh, medical advice here, but my personal advice is I'm 61 year old. I may be considered one of those people and I, I live a very young lifestyle, probably younger than you. <laughs> and still, uh, I can tell you that I had the biggest stigma. I overcame it. I uh, tried it. I do see the effect on people every day that come here. Thousands upon thousands of people that come here, they come back. They come back because it works. And that's what I can attest to is it solved my sleep problem. It solved my arthritis, you know, personally, for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to work for you and what exactly is going to work for you, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid. But trying it is key, for sure. Uh, what are you seeing, like, seniors, how, how are they being affected by cannabis? Because, like, I feel like for, like, my mom and, like, my dad, they're like, okay, they've tried our cannabis, and they're like, that is not what we were smoking back in the 70s. Like, that's way more potent. So what are you telling these seniors when they do go to the dispensaries? Even, like, a 100-milligram edible, like, that's going to be intense, right? You're going to only want them to eat a little bit. So how are you educating these people? I'm a big that? believer. I'm a big believer in microdosing. So that's number one. Number two, somebody actually, uh, one of the doctors that prescribes um, cannabis in Israel, you know, I said, you know, uh, you can get some anxiety or whatever, and a lot of other people don't really like that uh, high feeling, whatever. And he said, you know, when people associate it with what we, they used to smoke, they used to smoke a joint. And now it dawned on me. He said, look, a joint is typically a gram, right? And people that smoke, I can't, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I cannot smoke a joint if my life depends on it. Mm-hmm. I just can't smoke. Mm-hmm. But basically, and I, I'm totally against it, as I said, about, against combusting. So, but he says, when, you, when people that smoke usually uh, finish the joint, even if they split it between, between two people, mm-hmm. they still finish the joint. You know, a joint typically has a beginning and a middle and the end, mm-hmm. and they finish it. And even if the joint has a gram and it is a, not a very strong uh, strain, let's say 22%, mm-hmm. you have 220 milligrams of THC in that joint. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. If I tried 220 <laughs> milligrams, yeah. of, I would be really paranoid. <laughs> I would be really suffering. I don't want to do that. That's why I recommend different alternative delivery methods. The more measurable i believe in microdosing you don't need to finish the the joint or you don't need to puff the entire uh, vape pen or you can take a you know a quarter of a gummy or something like that and start and try and that's exactly what i've done with my parents you know i just told them you know you start low you know and and see how it works for you yeah too. Yeah, i think depending on the uh, you know your intended effect or you know your intention behind it there's different molecules that come from the cannabis plant that can help with that. You know, there's CBN, there's CBG, the CBD. Um, so just consult your bud tender and ask them, you know, what are other people using for this, you know, you know, for sleep or for pain or something like that. What are other, what's everybody else using for this? It's not just THC. Isn't it pathetic that you know that a 24-year-old knows more, more than your your primary care physician about right. how this works? Isn't it pathetic? Why are you so afraid of the knowledge? You know, you don't have to prescribe it. You can continue to pre- prescribe. I don't know opioids if you want. You know, but but at least know what you're up against. You know, don't have the stigma. You're a doctor for crying out loud. You're supposed to know what that does. When I talk with doctors about, you know, I just finished reading a book about endocrinology of aging, mm-hmm. you know, how things work in a kind of in a mito- mitochondria, you know, level, kind of like inside the cells and stuff. And even smaller things that have been researched, you know, lately, how come, you know, 
consumers of cannabis, they have munchies, they eat sometimes a lot, and still they are typically, you know, less overweight than people that don't consume cannabis. How is that? How does that work? You know, did any do you bother to check, you know, insulin resistance, you know, and stuff like that, or how that affect, you know, the endocrinology system? You don't. You just it's too complicated. And it's going to take too long. In the meantime, people are believing uh, what other people tell them, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of it is myth. Unfortunately, it's um, you know a lot of it is going to be about branding. And uh, that's where it's heading, basically. So you're going to see, back to your question, you're going to see the pharmaceutical products. You're going to see the, um, you know, the more um, a food supplement products. Like when, you, when I select my turmeric, how do I select it? It's going to be branding. And you really need to select a good brand that, it, you know, that publishes um, a, uh, its testing. And you need to really read and see what people say about that brand. Kind Love for the past eight years has been you know up there if you anybody looks at our reviews they're very high is because we don't cut corners we use no pesticides no insecticides we grow all the weed that we sell so we have full control of the starting material you know we extract ourselves we uh, infuse um, ourselves so basically that guarantees that you have a pure product um, you know that you're using and that's very important in today's world yeah. No, it's much appreciated too. I know those are two things and a few things that we, uh, Lucy and I both, you know, preach is to know your grow mm-hmm. uh, and even more so know who extracts it as well. So um, very comforting to know that you guys do all those things in house. Well, that's the advantage of being uh, kind of vertically, vertically integrated, um, you know, that, you know, there's, you can go into infinite uh, complexity, you know, different uh, forms of extraction generate different products really. The one thing that I really am totally against, like I'm against um, um, uh, combusting, I'm against uh, distillates. You know, it's like and distillates are just uh, used to be a way for people to take bad weed and make something out of it, you know, contaminate or whatever. But, you know, creating a single molecule, basically, what is distillation? It means you take only the THC and already the CBD and then you, back, you know, people understood that it's not tasty and what it, it doesn't have any taste any smell or anything mm-hmm. so they try to reintroduce you know terpenes into it and they then uh, the terpenes they reintroduce are not really they don't really extract all the terpenes maybe the two top two three heaviest ones mm-hmm. and then they don't homogenize it homogenize it well mm-hmm. when they reintroduce it and, and terpenes are, are very volatile the way it is you take two puffs and they're gone so I don't believe in it and some people even use uh, I don't want to say fake uh, terpenes because they're not fake but terpenes from other plants mm-hmm. again this is a very complex compound 1500 compounds in in a plant if you're gonna try and actually isolate each one of them, you're not gonna be successful. Doctors are, you know, the professors in the, in the labs are trying to do this for a long time, and they're not successful yet. Maybe in 15 years. That was amazing. That was super informative. So we appreciate that. Um, let's see. Maybe one fun thing. So you you don't combust cannabis. So what is your favorite form of consumption? 
Well, it depends on what you want to achieve. So that's uh, so. There, cannabis is not cannabis, is not cannabis. So the question: What do you want to do? So if I go dancing or I go to a concert, I just want to. Again, I'm a proponent of microdosing. I at my age, I don't really want to be very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want. And that's another myth that people think that you, when you're high, you're going to lose control. You don't. You don't. Uh, there's an anecdote about our Christmas party that I could tell, but you know. But basically. Um, you you basically I I use um, a, a cartridge with uncut 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 I cannot repeat this enough if there is PG or VG in it in it do not use it uh, we only what use uh, we p- p- polyethylene glycol and that's you know because the the material has to be there is always a wick and a wick has to be wet and the and and cannab- cannabis is a resin and resin is very thick so how do you dilute it you use a, uh, some kind of a solvent like a pg polyethylene glycol or vg and basically and that's not good not good for you so only uncut we are even going to the next level quality and we only we extract only from live materials so we harvest we immediately flash freeze and um, you know the plant uh, and within minutes and then uh, after that we uh, extract from the from the frozen material and where everything is locked in uh, we're fr- extracting a frozen machine so you really the product the quality of the product you get is is orders of magnitude better and we've developed some techniques to allow you to vape this in a pan and that's the only real kind of like uh, closest to full full plant extract that you have uh, so when I go dancing or something like that, I, I would just have something like that for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I want to sleep, for example, and that's um, kind of a personal experiment that I've been conducting. Again, I believe in microdosing. I really mm-hmm. just want to sleep. I don't want to be high. So I just take a micro puff, not even a, no, I don't inhale. I just do, that's it. And that's just enough. And I take, by the way, most people recommend um, Indicas, which are considered to be a downer, right? But for me, it works the opposite because, you know, my body wants to sleep really bad, but my mind is clearer than ever because, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's, it has, Indicas many times have more of a body high, less mm-hmm. of a cerebral high. Mm-hmm. So, but my problem is that I have a train of thought. I need to stop. So I take a microdose of the haziest sativa. And I've tried this, by the way, on about 60 different people but so far they all thank me a lot and I take a micro puff of the most hazy sativa it's so little that it's, I really don't get high it just disrupts the train of thought and I fall asleep and my wife is saying how can you sleep 10 hours I never I don't remember you sleeping so long and I sleep wonderfully well I come I wake up very very awake and alert and that's wonderful so it, it really depends but every now and then I would eat something so I don't need the sugar you know I want to keep my girly figure so I don't need the sugar so I don't eat I don't need to eat cannabis right. in a form of a candy or or a chocolate right. I also don't think it's effective you know go buy yourself a chocolate and get some kind of a pill or something right. like that and just and and use that and uh, it, you're gonna have a much better bioavailability because you know when you eat something the body has to first break the food down find the cannabinoids then say okay metabolize me it's a, it takes longer it's less effective but a lot of people forget that cannabis is lipophilic, which means it needs something oily, some lipids in order to carry it into the bloodstream. So if you eat some, you know, eat cannabis and you don't eat something like with a little bit of oil content in it, in it, you can actually see no effect. And then you try again, unfortunately, and it takes some more and more until it's too much, and then you get it. So 
I, you know, I recommend, I will, we keep mentioning to people how to use the correct edibles correctly. So I, you ask me how I use it. I micro vape and I microdose uh, edibles. Be careful when you're buying CBD in the market. Yeah. That's the last statement I want to make. Be careful. There's a lot of snake oil in it. It's not regulated. Anyone can actually claim anything. Most of it is not CBD. And make sure that you know you have a little bit of CBD, THC in you. It's not going to get you high if it's very, very low. It's not going to, even if it does, hey, enjoy it. And um, it's, it's going to be a better, uh, a better product for you. One last thing, comma. Is it comma, camera? Comma. Well, comma is basically, it comes from Sanskrit. Um, that's our um, kind of like a non-flower brand. Um, it comes from Sanskrit, which is all ancient Indian. And it is really the eternal, the, the, uh, the eternal uh, uh, sensory pleasure and joy in you know and bliss and people basically refer to kama only like they know it from kama sutra and only one thing but it's really a very spiritual meaning uh which is really the eternal sensory bliss um you know a, that that's why we call it like that because we really want to uh, attract to all your senses you know, when you're consuming uh, a kama so we keep saying you know kama yourself that's awesome that's awesome yeah. i love it <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We appreciate all the knowledge that you spread for us. And for anybody out there listening, you just, I mean, I think the advice is just to tell your parents or grandparents to try it. I know I've had some difficult conversations with all of the above, um, and they've gone well, and some of them have not. But I think it's important just to keep educating your parents and grandparents on the subject and, you know, just making them more aware of different products and making them uncomfortable with the subject as well. So hopefully one day they do have, you know, the nerves to walk into a dispensary like Kind Love and get some education and help their overall health and wellness. So we appreciate you for being on the show and everything that you, um, you know, explained to us. Uh, I think it's very helpful. Appreciate it, yeah, absolutely. And if anybody has any questions, uh, is there a way they can get a hold of you? Or? Sure, I mean, they're, they can, they're welcome to actually um, contact me via email at david.kindlove.com. It's pretty simple. And please come here. Don't be afraid. Come. You don't have to buy anything. I promise you we're going to give you a, every bit of information. Uh, you can, we'll, we're going to direct you without giving you any medical uh, advice, but we're going to direct you to how to start and experiment with it yourself. And, um, and I, I, I guarantee that like other people here, you're not going to be disappointed. Well, worst case, you're going to feel high and great. Right. <laughs> you know, that's good, good too. <laughs> Is this the only location? That's uh, the only location okay. for us in Cherry Creek here in uh, Colorado. Cool. Yep, they're off Colorado Boulevard. All right, and with that, I'm Lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. This episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with YooHoo Creative and Design. YooHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs. YooHoo, helping your company become who you need to be. If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at yoohoocreative at gmail.com.